Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in the Greenville area. You can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs. If you're watching on uh, Spotify, well, you wouldn't be watching on Spotify because I don't have video on there. But if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or if you're watching on YouTube, which you can find this show by just searching for uh, Stan McCune um, or Selling Greenville, but not the channel Selling Greenville, uh, just search for me and then you'll find my content. Um, regardless, whatever platform you're listening or watching on, please like, subscribe, leave a rating or review if you can. Usually, all the platforms have some kind of option, at the very least, to subscribe. Um, And so I'd appreciate if you guys could do that, and that way you won't miss any of my content. Today, uh, I want to take a little bit of a different sort of episode than we we typically do. And uh, and I had a listener, Nick, I'm I'm sure you're listening, uh, mentioned recently that he'd be interested in my, uh, me talking about uh, politics on my podcast, not necessarily this one, but to have like a politics podcast. Um, I don't have the time to do that, but there are times when real estate and politics uh, overlap, and that has never been more true than today. And so I there's a topic that has been very interesting to me that I felt like I wanted to share with you. Uh, because as you guys know, if you've been paying any attention lately, you know that for several years now, the Federal Reserve, aka the Fed, has had a really outsized impact on real estate. Um, they always do, and they always have, uh, but we've really felt it more in recent years as we had the Fed cause super duper low mortgage rates uh, during the pandemic. And now we had uh, the the most dramatic jump in mortgage rates that we've ever had in history that happened, uh, you know, basically the past year. And now here we are with uh, with rates that historically are not the highest, but uh, but in comparison to the past fifteen years, uh, they're they're not particularly low. Um, they they're more on the high end of the spectrum for. Uh, for recent history. Um, And so this is all the direct result of what the Federal Reserve has been doing. And uh, there is a bit of, in my opinion, I'm going to jump ahead for a moment, um, but there's a bit of a uh, ticking time bomb when it comes to the Fed, and that is that I believe at some point the Fed will become partisan and at some point, that will have even more of an impact on housing than it does now. Uh, but before I get too far into that, I just want to kind of uh, make sure that we're all kind of at the same baseline uh, when it comes to just a very basic understanding of the Fed. The Fed's a very interesting uh, institution. They're considered one of the final... Uh, major nonpartisan institutions in the U.S. government, with uh, with Fed governors and uh, Fed presidents not claiming any party affiliation. Now, I'm sure they have some sort of party affiliation, but this this isn't a part of what they are as uh, government uh, governors and presidents uh, within the Fed. They're not elected to their 
positions, um, at least not by people. Uh, the president of the U.S. appoints the governors and the Fed chair and the, uh, I believe, the vice chair as well. There might be a few other things that the president appoints, um, but those are the main ones. Um, and then the Senate confirms them. Um, and there's not very many people on the Federal Reserve. Like it's a pretty, it's a it's a small group. Um, I believe the uh, the entire group of those that can vote, if I remember correctly, are 14. So um, it's it's basically like a board. Um, and and so the president appoints the governors and the Fed chair, uh, and then the Senate confirms them. And uh, to my point that I made earlier about them being, uh, for the most part, nonpartisan, many of them have been appointed by a president from one party and then reappointed by a president from another car- from another party. This was the case with, you, you probably heard years ago, Ben Bernanke, who was appointed by George W. Bush and then was reappointed by Obama. Um, and, and right now, the, the Fed uh, chair is Jerome Powell, and uh, it's looking increasingly likely that President Biden is going to reappoint him, even though he was originally appointed by Donald Trump. So there is validity to the fact that this is a nonpartisan uh, position and a nonpartisan organization, at least functionally, that's how it's been up to this point. Now, uh, Fed chair terms, uh, what Jerome Powell is doing, are for four years, so, so not very long. But the Fed governor terms are really long. They are 14 years. But what, one thing that's kind of interesting that you might not realize is that most of them don't end up finishing those 14-year terms. And there's a very selfish uh, reason for that, and that's that they can make so much more money in the private sector. Like once you join the Fed, then you can't actively trade uh, in the stock market and things like that. Because then you would be incentivized to to do things that would only help your help your bottom line out, um, and so oftentimes people leave the Fed after roughly seven years. That's about the average uh, that the people are governors in the Fed is seven years, and then their vacancy is filled by someone else who the president reappoints or, or who the president appoints. And then they just finish that time. So, so if one uh, Fed governor resigns after seven years, when his or her seat is filled, when that vacancy is filled, then it's just a seven-year uh, remaining term for, for those people. Now, I don't want to get too much more into the weeds uh, of all of that and how many different members and how many different positions there are um, and, and how all of the inner mechanics work. I just wanted to lay that foundation uh, to lay that groundwork, to make sure that we all had a very basic, rudimentary understanding of what the Fed is and how these people get into the Fed. It's kind of a, a bit of a mysterious organization, and and um, I feel like the media talks about them like they talk about the economy, right? Um, I remember years ago there was a, a South Park episode, um, and if you... Don't know me very well. I am a big fan of South Park. I think it's an ingenious show. It's hilarious. Um, and there, there was an episode one time that talked about the economy where where they made fun of how everyone talks about the economy like it's a being, like it's something that uh, that does things, where, where the economy is just really, it's just a label that we describe uh, people trading, people buying and selling things. That's, that's all the economy is is just a label uh, for uh, trade happening. 
Um, well, the Fed is kind of similar. I feel like when the media and when so many people talk about it, they, they talk about it like it's this mysterious thing. Well, it's basically just a board of people that tend to have backgrounds in economics, um, and they can increase or, or lower rates, and they can pull these different levers that impact the economy, um, and they are constantly analyzing the economy and trying to uh, play this role in it, whereby they try to keep inflation and employment where they need to be, right? That's what they're constantly trying to do. They're trying to, uh, and, and, you know, as much in most situations, they're trying to avoid recession. Now, right now, perhaps you could argue that they're trying to, to put the U.S. in recession in order to avoid the inflation issue. That's a, another topic for another day. Um, but, well, maybe not. Maybe we'll discuss a little bit later. I don't know. We'll see where this goes. But um, but regardless, that is what what the Fed does on a on a big picture level, and that's who they are on a uh, big picture level. Um, bottom line is that the Federal Reserve is truly one of the last nonpartisan institutions in the U.S. Um, when a Fed governor resigns, uh, it's barely a blip on the radar. I mean, do you even hear the media even talk about it? But if a U.S. senator resigns, it is all over the national headlines. But a Fed governor has way, way more power than a U.S. senator. There are way more U.S. senators than there are Fed governors. Uh, a single senator, generally speaking, uh, does not have that much power in comparison to these people that are on the Fed. Um, and so that's something that's very interesting, too, just how the media covers the Fed. Uh, they don't have as much interest in in them, and that is because it is a nonpartisan institution. It doesn't generate the headlines, right? It's all this partisan stuff that, uh, that brings the clicks to CNN and MSNBC and Fox News. It's, they, it's people, you know, wanting to hear stuff about their camp. Uh, you know, I'm a... Republican or I'm a Democrat. I want to hear stuff about my people and I want to hear all the bad stuff about the other people. Well, the Fed, they don't have a side. And so I think it just doesn't benefit uh, CNN and Fox News, MSNBC, and all these uh, organizations, all these media companies to talk about them very much on a on a microscopic level. They talk about them on a macro level. Um but yeah, when you think about it, it's kind of crazy, right? Because the Federal Reserve, in a single meeting, can dramatically impact your ability to borrow money, your ability to purchase a house, your if you're an employer, your ability to hire employees. Like, in a single meeting, they can make dramatic decisions that dramatically alter uh, your life and the lives of, of those around you. And yet, people don't actually sweat out who is actually in the Fed, like, that's crazy. As I already said, they have way more power than any senator uh, has. Bill Clinton even half-joked one time, and I, I think it was more truth than joke, that the Fed has more power than him when he was president. Um, and the Fed has only grown in power since Bill Clinton was in office. Uh, they, they took all sorts of power during the Great Recession, and they did that again during the pandemic. They've really become a... a really one of the most powerful parts of uh, the U.S. government. So it stands to reason that it is only a matter of time before the Fed 
becomes partisan, before it becomes Republican or Democrat. Just like the Supreme Court used to be considered nonpartisan until it became dominated by liberal justices. And I'm, I'm going to say it was the liberal justices that turned it partisan, not the people are thinking, oh, it's only turned partisan in recent years with the, with the Trump conservative justices. No, and I'm not saying that I lean one way or the other. Uh, if you know me, you know I tend to uh, not be clearly, I, I'm an independent voter, and my vote sh shifts depending on uh, from one party to the next, depending on uh, what the principles are of, of the various candidates. But the reality is that the Supreme Court became partisan with the liberal justices of the previous decades, not the more conservative justices that have come in under Bush and Trump um, and and or the liberal justices under Obama either. It was the liberal justices way, way before uh, all of them. Um, and so we have we saw the Supreme Court become partisan uh, in previous decades. And I think we can all expect sooner than later that the Fed, which like the Supreme Court is supposed to be nonpartisan and currently I think you can argue is nonpartisan is going to be the next partisan battleground. And we've already seen some indicators of this. Um, if you want to go back to the Obama administration, it, he attempted to appoint Peter Diamond and that was shot down by a Republican Senate in 2010 due to his background in labor economics. Um, so that was kind of when partisanship during the Obama administration was when I feel like partisanship really went to a whole new level. Um, in Trump's presidency, Republicans uh, actually also uh, shot down his appointment of Judy Shelton as a governor. Um, she, she was someone who advocated for a return to the gold standard, um, which is by most people's reckoning a fringe economic idea held onto by uh, some on the far right, mostly like extreme libertarians. Um, so, uh, so uh, again, this was someone who was a close advisor to Donald Trump. He tried to get her on the Fed, and and the Republican Senate at that point shot it down. Had she joined the Fed, and she was very critical of the Fed too, that could have really had a big impact. So we were very close, very very close to uh, to seeing something that had never happened before happen that would have been um, really the closest we've come to a partisan uh, an overtly partisan member of the Fed more subtly when inflation started getting out of control last year President Biden said that a big part of his plan to reduce inflation was to let the Fed handle the issue like Obama uh, sorry uh, Biden had Basically, no plan for tackling inflation. His plan was, I'm just going to let the Fed cook. He didn't obviously didn't, didn't use that language. Uh, but uh, as the kids would say, just going to let the Fed cook. Um, well, that's kind of an odd thing to say, right? Not the cooking part, but, but that he was just going to let the Fed handle the issue, right? Isn't that kind of an odd thing? But I think what he was doing was letting his party know that he wasn't ready to take on the Federal Reserve, that he was going to let them do their thing and not make the Fed a battleground that would ultimately turn partisan. That's what I think he was signaling when he said that. Um, and the fact that he needed to say that, that he felt that he needed to say that, makes me think that there are a lot of people in government right now who would like it to be a battleground. So I think that that's a little, a little Easter egg that, uh, that 
President Biden left for us when he issued that statement on how he was going to tackle inflation. And of course, we all know the Inflation Reduction Act that he passed has done uh, absolutely nothing to uh, reduce inflation. None of none of our inflation reduction that has happened uh, is a result of that act at all, um, in my opinion. Um, it's it's anything. It's the, it's the Fed. The Fed is who is tackling inflation. Uh, more than anything. There's only so much that the president can do anyway. Um, so I'm not saying that this is all Biden's fault. Um, but um, but he hasn't, nothing, very little can be attributed to him as a president in terms of uh, of handling the inflation issue. Um, but I, I think that's ultimately where this is all headed, that this is all headed towards the Fed becoming a partisan institution. Everything in 2023 is political, but somehow, somehow the Federal Reserve, one of the most powerful institutions in the U.S., isn't? One of the most powerful institutions that that impacts how much you have to pay for a house, that impacts uh, whether pe- uh, small businesses can borrow money at, at an effective rate, at, at a rate that they can afford. Uh, that Power hasn't become political yet. That's insane. You know that's going to change eventually. It it is definitely going to change, and I suspect, as I already said, it will be sooner than later. The Fed has essentially said that they intend to bring about. I, I said I, I wasn't going to talk about this, but we will talk about this for a second. They they've essentially said that they're going to bring about a job loss recession in order to tame inflation. Talked a little bit about this last week. Um. Well. The reality is, think about this, nobody wants inflation, but even fewer people want to lose their job, right? So the Fed is trying to tame inflation by causing people to lose their jobs. People want to lose their jobs even less than than they want inflation. At least if you have inflation and prices are high, um, if you have a job, you can do something about it, right? You can become a more careful spender. You can avoid things that are too expensive for your budget. But when you lose your job, everything is too expensive. And so we're in the early stages. Think about this. We're in the early stages of a presidential election. Ron DeSantis um, is, by the time you're listening to this, he will have already come through South Carolina uh, as part of the kickoff to his campaign. We're full-blown in presidential election mode. And the Fed may be causing a recession right in the middle of that. And already some senators have expressed a lot of angst about that. Um, And you know what? You can't think that Biden is very happy about that, right? Going into this upcoming uh, crucial year for him, if we go into recession at the beginning of of 2024, uh, that doesn't bode well for his uh, re-election campaign. And so the Fed doing this is going to make a lot of people very unhappy, and it could sway elections next year. Um, and guess what? People, the senators, presidents, Congress people, they're not going to want this nonpartisan Fed swinging elections. They're not going to want that to happen. And so I suspect that if the the news next year, if it says, if if the the narrative that is in the media is that the Fed impacted uh, the elections, 
guess what? The Fed is going to very, very quickly become partisan. It's going to very, very quickly become a very important part of, uh, of media coverage of the government. And so what happens when the Fed becomes partisan? I've laid this, this big uh, foundation, this groundwork. Well, this is a real estate podcast. It's not a political podcast. So I'm going to stick with real estate slash housing ramifications. As I've already said before, the primary lever that the Fed can pull in housing is mortgage rates. They don't directly set mortgage rates, but they indirectly set it with the 10-year and, and federal funds rate and different things like that. Um, and what we've learned is that this is a very, very powerful lever. When rates are low, real estate goes bonkers. That's what happened uh, after or during the pandemic. And when rates are high, things slow down dramatically. Literally just had a whole podcast where we talked about this, so I'm not going to rehash all of that. Uh, but the affordability of housing is going to be increasingly a, an important political issue in upcoming years. And I believe it's an issue that will directly impact people's votes. People are going to vote on housing. We're already seeing it happening, but it's going to be uh, even a bigger issue in upcoming years because we're we're entering this long period of, of low inventory is what I think is going to happen. Um, so uh, it's... it's and, and, you know, housing affordability for uh, people in their late 20s, early 30s, it's not easy right now. It's not easy. Those that are uh, retirees trying to downsize or whatever, uh, they're not going to like potentially having to pay these higher interest rates. Um, and so, again, people say they don't like inflation, but as crazy as it was when real estate was appreciating at un unprecedented levels between 2020 and 2022, uh, people mostly liked it, right? Sellers liked getting their homes under contract quickly for above list price and for 20% more than their neighbors got their home under contract for the year before. Um, buyers didn't like all the bidding wars, but when they were finally able to get a home under contract and could lock in that 3% interest rates, they were ecstatic. So really, everyone liked it, and nobody likes this higher interest rate environment. Nobody nobody feels good about it. And so the mood now is much more sober. Buyers are still in bidding wars. We've talked about this. It's just not as intense as in the past. Um, but what do they have to show for it? After they, they finally went out and, and get a house under contract, there aren't any more of these record low interest rates to get excited about. And so there's almost like no payoff. It's like a hike that's like super duper hard to get to the top and then you get to the top and there's nothing pretty to look at. It's just like all these, you know, ugly trees and, and dirt. Um, that's what it feels like to buy right now. Sellers, and that's what it's going to feel like to buy for several years unless rates come back down. Um, and sellers, you know, it's, it's an uncertain time right now if you're selling real estate. There's a lack of confidence in what exactly a home will sell for in this market, uh, even though it's still very much a seller's market. So uh, so right now, the situation that we find ourselves in is kind of this uh, no-win situation and a, a market where what the Fed is doing might be necessary, but nobody really likes it. It doesn't feel good. Um, and I'm not saying that, that, they, that the Fed should change what they're doing on the basis of people's feelings. But what I am saying is that people tend to take their feelings to the ballot box and they tend to vote based on their feelings. And if they feel 
bad, if the mood is bad because of what the Fed is doing, uh, that is going to irritate uh, some politicians. I can assure you of that. Some people that are up for for election or re-election in 2024. Um, And it's not too hard to imagine a future where Democrats and Republicans form two camps, right? There could be the higher rates, lower inflation camp, uh, and the lower rates, higher inflation camp. I could totally see that becoming a a political partisan uh, direction that we go in with the Federal Reserve as the battleground. I could see other possibilities as well. Maybe a Federal Reserve should be less powerful camp, uh, which has already kind of been around in in libertarian circles, um, but hasn't been mainstream uh, versus a keep the Fed a powerful one, which is basically what both parties up to this point have uh, have more or less believed in. But maybe that changes and becomes, you know, maybe Republicans, uh, be- it becomes more mainstream that the Federal Reserve should be less powerful. Um, who knows? Um, most likely, I, I, I don't see that as likely of a scenario because I think once the barrier is crossed that the Fed becomes a partisan battleground, then both parties are going to want to keep it powerful because the Fed can do things without any oversight. Right, they, they nobody is checking the 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 power at the Fed and ensuring that the Fed acts in good faith. Um, they they are unchecked. That is what is so odd about the situation that that the Fed isn't yet partisan. That the media barely covers them. Um, is that they uh, you know they're they're like uh, from Star Wars uh, uh, Palpatine when uh, he. he uh, has that famous meme of him saying unlimited power that that is basically what the the fed is able to say every single day that the fed exists um so i think that both parties are going to want to keep the fed and just tap into that unlimited power um as it were um now i can imagine a future Let's just think about this again. Thinking about the ramifications. Well, what if the Fed becomes partisan, and what if you know a new president comes in and is uh, you know appointing very different uh, Fed governors, very different Fed chairs than the previous president, ones that would uh, want to take the Fed in a completely different direction? Um, I can imagine a future where we're comfortably settled in uh, with a five percent in a 5% mortgage rate environment and a new president comes in and appoints a new Fed chair and some governors and and suddenly we see rates go way up or more likely way down overnight with massive uh, real estate market volatility. I could totally see that. Like that is the, the, what could happen in this scenario that I'm describing. We've talked about it before, uh, but uh, we will really experience the day of reckoning and, and really years of reckoning for the low rates of the pandemic. Unless the Fed drops rates into the low uh, low fives or high fours, people sitting on 3% rates aren't going to move like they normally would in the upcoming years. We're just going to see this is the low inventory environment that I'm talking about. It's the people that normally would sell their homes in the next few years uh, that won't want to do that because of how good their mortgage rate is. So that means, again, continued low inventory, continued bidding wars, continued increases in the cost of real estate, um, and the Fed can control that. And so why wouldn't a president want to come in? Why wouldn't the Senate want uh, to impact those decisions as much as they possibly could? 
It is only a matter of time. I'm telling you, it is only a matter of time. We've got this very powerful organization willing to send the country into recession in an election year, uh, put a uh, put the, the housing uh, world, the real estate world into recession, into a crisis mode, cause a housing inventory crisis. Uh, a lot of voters who are angry that they can't buy a house because of how high mortgage rates are. And you're going to tell me that this won't become a partisan issue very, very soon. Yeah, it it will. It will. I'm going to make perhaps my boldest prediction yet, and that is that within the next 10 years, so potentially uh, you know, two or three presidents between now and 10 years, I believe that the Fed will become partisan with it being difficult for, for the Senate to confirm uh, the, the president appointees uh, unless the president and the Senate are the same party. And we'll see start to see more Fed governors that are uh, that hold more overtly partisan views uh, than we've seen in the past. I don't know if it'll be, you know, like Judy Shelton wanting to go back to the gold standard, but I think we're going to see more partisanship. It'll probably start at a basic level, um, but I think it's going to continue to grow. And I think that that particularly if Biden is not reelected, we could see this happen very, very soon. Like if Donald Trump is reelected in 2024, I think that we could see this timeline get bumped up very, very quickly. Now, uh, remember the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, um, I, I believe it's this year that he is going to be appointed by, uh, by Biden, reappointed, um, I, I believe. I'd have to go back and check when, when those terms are. So that won't be able to become partisan just yet. Um, but it could be towards the end of the next president's term if that president is not Biden, or even if it's Biden. Obviously, Biden will, would get the choice to do that. Um, so this is uh, this is the next uh, crazy thing in politics, right? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that I, I had to uh, drop this bomb on everyone that, uh, that things are only going to get more partisan. Um, for some of you, you probably already realize this, um, but uh, unfortunately, this is the world we live in, and this is just what's going to happen, and it will have an impact on real estate. We know that for a fact. That's all for today's episode. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, please, if you like the show, subscribe, rate, review, comment, all of those things, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Audio Boom, Stitcher Radio, Stitcher Radio, all of those different things. Uh, you can find me, you can watch, you can listen. Uh, please, if you need any assistance with real estate, reach out to me. Uh, my phone number, my contact information is in the show notes. Thank you guys again, and we will talk again next time.